we looked at Jesus' genealogy uh, with our Baptist friends instead. But now we're going to jump back into um, their their story here. So Luke 1 verse 5, in the days of King Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Um, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And both were righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child. Elizabeth was barren. Both were advanced in years. But when his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, it happened that Zechariah was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So get this in your mind. You're Zechariah walking into the temple. Okay. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of, of the people and the priesthood was praying outside while Zechariah is praying inside. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. No, duh. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will call him John and there will be joy and delight for you. And then many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him. Him being. Very good. In the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient of the understanding to the righteous and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Isaiah 40. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel for I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. And the angel answered him. I'm Gabriel. You dummy. Right. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this gospel, this good news. I'm the guy come to tell you. Now, listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, this is going on. The people were waiting for Zechariah. They're amazed he stayed so long in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he could not speak to them. The angel mute. Okay. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary and he was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived a miracle and kept herself in seclusion for five months. And she said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people, this is God's word. So in this section of the Advent story, we have two different prayers and we have one answer for for both of them. OK, so Elizabeth's praying one thing. Zechariah and, and Israel and the priesthood, they're praying another thing. And the Lord responds to both of these prayers with one answer. A son will be born. OK, make sense. Two prayers. Your prayer has been heard. Here's John, so today we'll look at Elizabeth's prayer, we'll look at Zechariah and Israel's prayer, and we'll look at um, God's answer and fair warning. There's a fair bit of Bible nerdery today, okay? 
Which is why you prayed that we would understand it, because I was confusing myself. Okay, so first, Elizabeth's prayers, verse 6, they're righteous, they're, they're living with humility before God, right? And so therefore, if the Proverbs are true, right, 1 through 31, if those things are true, that if you live this way, things go well for you, things should go well for Zechariah and Elizabeth, right? If the math works out, well, it's not so, Okay. Though they were righteous, verse 7, they had no child. Elizabeth was barren. And so by all accounts, Zechariah and Elizabeth should be blessed, right? If you're placing bets, who's going to be blessed? You would say those two. Living righteously before God according to all his commandments and all of his ways. They're both from royal families. Like if things are going to work out in this age, it's for them. But with them, we don't find blessing. We only find cursing. And many of you, many of us have been here. You're aiming to live before God in in love and humility. And yet your life or your womb, like Elizabeth here, is barren. It's how it is where there's supposed to be fruit. There's there's limbs where there's supposed to be music. There's just silence. So what do you think, right? If you're Elizabeth, what do you think her prayers sound like? Imagine it could be like Abraham's prayer, Genesis 20, prays for Abimelech's household, that they would all have children. Isaac prays for Rebecca in Genesis 25. But I think more likely, it sounds like Hannah's prayer. 1 Samuel um, verse or chapter 11, Hannah is praying for a child. And then 1 Samuel records her prayers uh, in, in chapter 11, like weeping and fasting. Her prayers are distressed. There's a point where it says she's groaning in her heart and, and she's praying and her mouth is moving, but no words are coming out. The priest comes into the temple and thinks she's drunk. It's like, why are you in the temple drunk? She says, I'm not drunk. I, I'm, I, I, this is what I'm praying Everything hurts. I, I want a, a child not happening. And she pours out her soul. First Samuel eleven fifteen. She pushes it. She says, I'm not drunk. I'm pouring out my soul to the Lord. The prayers of Elizabeth are like prayers. Uh, Amanda read Psalm 62 earlier today. God, how long are you going to keep silent? Or, or Psalm 13 we read and will read at, at Blue Christmases. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I have sorrow in my heart? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Answer me. Light up my eyes, otherwise uh, I'll die. Okay? This is the prayer of Elizabeth. And up to this point in the story, God is silent. Okay? It's not answering. That's Elizabeth. But what about Zechariah? What about priesthood? What about the nation? Israel is in the same boat as Elizabeth, minus some righteousness. Okay, They've been longing for redemption. They've been hoping for the promises to come true. Israel is supposed to be flourishing and, and fruitful. They're supposed to be Jeremiah 17, 8. They are trees planted by streams of living water. They send out their roots. They're always bearing fruit. That's was supposed to be happening, but it's not. Not happening in the first century, not happening right now. Like it's it's not happening. And and for them the wheels start shaking. You know what I mean? If you've ridden a bike and the wheels start to go like this and eventually you okay. Some maybe your brother did it on purpose kind of deal. Okay. The wheels start to fall off for them the moment Moses comes down from Sinai, finds them doing 
whatever it is they were doing there. And that they really start to wobble towards the end of, of King Solomon's life and the kingdom is split in two. That wasn't in the plans, right? This, this wasn't how things were supposed to work. And then the wheels totally fall off with the Babylonian invasion and exile, right? So like the bike ain't, ain't moving. It, it's not supposed to go. But because there exists a righteous remnant within Israel and because God does not break his promises, one wheel gets put back on. Right uh, uh, with Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel who go back to the land, they rebuild the temple, they rebuild the wall. But then the Greeks come in, the wheels fall off again. And then it looks like the bike might ride again. Right. That the Maccabees gather out in the desert and attack and they take back Jerusalem and they take back the temple and look like it might work out. And then that ends because of human sinfulness. And then here comes Rome. The, The bike's not. Going where it is supposed to go. Israel is not experiencing what they were meant to experience. What they were promised to experience as God's chosen people. And as God's chosen means to bless all the nations of the earth. And so Israel, like Elizabeth, is barren. And Israel, like Elizabeth, is praying. Okay? So here we'll get nerdy. Verse 8, when his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he entered the sanctuary to burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly was praying outside. So what's happening here, what Zechariah is is doing is, is a prayer offering ritual sacrifice that they've been praying ever since Moses came down from Sinai with the blueprints for the tabernacle, right? Right. If Moses came down like Reese would get it, Brian would understand it. We would all look at it like, what are you talking about? Moses comes down. Here's the instructions for the tabernacle. And here's what you do when you're in the tabernacle. And it's called the Tamid offering. And it's uh, described in Exodus 29. I'll just tell you what it is. Each morning they take a, a lamb is given as a burnt offering. And then. So right, put out there, slaughtered, put on, lit on fire. And then throughout the day, other offerings are, are placed on top of that one. Like, where's here? Like our stump in our front yard. We just keep throwing stuff on it, okay? And, and so throughout the day, they're putting different things on it, burning incense, singing psalms, chanting psalms, whatever they are, are doing. And then at the end of the day, another lamb is placed on top of that one to burn throughout the night. And then in the morning, the altar is cleaned off and they do it again. Okay, and then the next day they do it again and the next day they do it again. It's a a continual twice given offering to the Lord. And this offering is done for a specific purpose and, and specific reason. And that's to remind the people of the covenant, specifically the part of the covenant that says God is their deliverer. Okay, I brought you out of Egypt and that God, God's presence, God's glory dwells with them. Right. This is the purpose of the tabernacle. God wants to be with them, doesn't want to just hang out at the height of the heavens. He wants to come down and be with his people. So Exodus 29, you see both of these things. They shall know after the offering is described, they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who one brought them out of the land of Egypt deliverance and two, that I might dwell among them presence. Okay, God's their deliverer and God's presence dwells among them in the tabernacle or in the temple later. So at these times during the day, nine o'clock, three o'clock, when the Tamid offering is made, the people of Israel pray. Okay, not just the not just the priests inside. If you're at work or you're at home, like oh, nine o'clock, they're going to pray towards God. Say, God, you promised that you would be our deliverer. You promised that you would be with us. And then you look around, and he's not. <laughs> okay, 
So it's all it's all great. And you read Exodus and, and you see what Zechariah's doing. Cool, but it's got to be hard for Zechariah to do this offering continually. Why? Because the two things the offering represents aren't happening. Right? Like you're, you're, you're pressing the power button and nothing's turning on. And you called Nehemiah and it's still not working. All right? It's, it's just frustrating. So when, so, and the, and so and Zechariah knows when Moses instituted this offering, God's presence showed up, right, in a, in a powerful way. When, when uh, Moses' people offer this thing, they're, they continue in their journey of deliverance out of Egypt, out of the wilderness, and into the promised land. So Exodus 40, then, after the burnt offering is given, the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whatever that looks like. I've got, like, Indiana Jones stuff in my head. I don't know what it actually looked like. Verse 38, for the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout their journey of deliverance. So God's presence shows up when they do this offering and deliverance is happening. Later in the story, King Solomon doesn't have a tabernacle, but he's dedicating the actual temple. God's presence showed up, right? One. And at this time, Israel's ruling over their enemies, right? Like if you're if the nations around Israel are bringing gold and treasure and wealth into Israel because Israel's dominating them. OK, so they've got both things. So Second Chronicles um, six, this is uh, Solomon's prayer before they're going to dedicate the temple. He says, arise, O Lord God, go to your resting place. Where's God's resting place? His footstool, the temple, go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests, O Lord God, let them be clothed with salvation. Let your saints rejoice in your goodness, O Lord God. Don't turn away the face of your anointed one. Remember the steadfast love, the covenant love for David, your servant. So in the chapter 7, as soon as Solomon finished praying this prayer, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priests couldn't even go in, because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. That's the Tamid offering. That's Exodus 29. Like, that's what they're doing. God is, is his, and his spirit and, and his power and his glory is tabernacling among the people. God with us. But that didn't last. Didn't last. It didn't last in the tabernacle. Didn't last in the first temple. Israel grew fat and kicked against the Lord. And in Ezekiel's day, the temple, the glory leaves, right? Out the east gate says, see ya. Okay? And 70 years later, again, this temple's rebuilt by uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Zerubbabel's crew. They rebuild it, but this time the glory doesn't come back. Okay? So this is, you can read Ezra and Nehemiah. They, they build the temple, they build the wall, and, and they dedicate the temple. And all the young people are like, sweet! Check out this temple. This is amazing, isn't it? And they're looking at the older crew and the older people in the nation of Israel are weeping and sobbing. Why? They remember the first temple. They remember when they made the Tamid offering, the glory of God filled the temple and they were ruling over their enemies. This time they dedicate the temple and they're just, where's the glory? Where's the Lord? The Lord who left in Ezekiel's day is still not back. So it's in this same temple that Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel built with some noted additions from Herod. A lot of noted additions from Herod. A lot. 
a lot. It's huge. Okay? It's in this same temple that the priesthood now with Zechariah brings offering and brings incense and brings prayer. And they are longing for the day when God would dwell with and deliver them again. Okay? This is what Zechariah is is praying. He's praying and offering and repenting on behalf of the nation. And I think if Elizabeth was praying with people like Abraham and Isaac and Hannah, I think Zechariah and the priests that are praying with Solomon, right? Solomon prayed in in chapter 6, and I think he's praying with Isaiah. I think their prayer sounds like Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Come back. Make your name known to your adversaries that the nations might tremble at your presence. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. And in our sins, we've been a long time. And shall we be saved? We've become like the nations. All our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. Verse 8, Zechariah prays. But now, at this time of offering, now you, O Lord, are our Father. Be not so terribly angry. Remember not our iniquity forever. Please look. Please We are all your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion, a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praised you has been burned by fire. And all our pleasant places have become ruined. Will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Zechariah in the temple, will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? Okay? The prayers of Israel and Elizabeth are different, but God's answer to both up to this point is the same. Silence. Elizabeth longs for a child. God's answer is silence. Israel longs for redemption. They long for the return of the glory of the Lord to the people, to the temple, to Jerusalem, and for deliverance from their enemies. And God's answer up to this point is silence. Nothing. We do this offering every day and we've been doing it every day and the glory of the Lord hasn't come. You have to admire the faith of the Jewish people. Years and years and years and years of silence and still coming to the Lord, still repenting, still bringing their offering and he doesn't speak. But on this day in real time, in real space, in real history, 2000 ish years ago, the silence broke. Okay, God, when the fullness of time had come, Galatians 4, God answered Elizabeth and Zechariah, verse 11, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. That guy hadn't been around since Daniel, right? He's here now. (laughs) Appears to him standing to the right of the altar of incense and says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. What prayer? Psalm 13. How long? Psalm 62. How, How long? Isaiah 64. Come down. Rend the heavens. Remember your people. Remember your covenant. The, the early Jewish prayer at the time that is adopted by Jesus. Father, sanctify your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Right? This is what he, he's praying. God is answering that prayer. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. He's not having his quiet time with his, his coffee and journal in the temple here. God answers those prayers. You know, That's great. Keep doing that. God answers those prayers. Zechariah is not not doing that. He's offering prayer on behalf of Israel. And the angel tells him your prayer about Israel, about the glory, about the presence, about deliverance, about the Holy Covenant. Your prayer has been heard. God will not keep silent. And what is God's answer to Israel's prayer? It is this, a son. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. 
oh, God's talking now. John's name in Hebrew means God is or God has been gracious, right? You shall call him John. God's being gracious to you, Zechariah, and giving you a son. And God is being gracious to you, Israel, in raising up John. For what's John going to do? Verse 14, John will bring joy and delight to the people. Verse 16 through 18, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous and make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Prepared for what? What do they need to be prepared for? Prepared for deliverance from their enemies and the return of the glory of the Lord to the temple. And the prerequisite from the beginning to the end for deliverance and for that glory to return is repentance. Right? And what message is John going to preach? Repentance. Repent. King of heaven. Is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. So back to Second Chronicles, right before the offering is given, and the glory fills the temple. Solomon prayed this. Okay, so put this together. If they sin against you, for there is not one who does not sin, and you were angry with them, and you give them to an enemy, so that they are carried away captive to a land far or near. Is that what's happening right here? Okay. Say, um, yet, if they turn their heart, if they repent and plead with you saying, we have sinned and we have acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their heart and all their soul and pray toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen, the house I built for your name. Then God hear from heaven, your dwelling place, their prayer and their pleas and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned. Against you, God answers the different prayers with the same answer. John, right? You you want a child? You want deliverance? Here's John to prepare the way for the one who will make this happen. And John will lead the charge of preaching repentance to the people, which will lead to their deliverance. Which will lead to it at the end of this section. She says my disgrace has been taken away. It will lead to the disgrace of the people being taken away. And the return of God's presence to the temple. This is where it's going. And we could, I mean, there's a lot we could, we could do with that. But just to bring it home for us. Two things to practically for us is one, repentance for Individuals, repentance for Israel brings a foretaste of glory. Okay, because what what what's the temple? It's a pointer. It's a marker to the day when the glory of the Lord covers the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. So in the same way that, that Israel and Jerusalem and the temple and the Jewish people will have the spirit of grace poured out on them when they look on their Messiah and, and repent. Zechariah 12. So now. Just as in that day, those who who heed the call to repent now will receive the Spirit of God. Okay? If you turn from your sins and trust in God and God's promises, you will receive the Spirit of God. The Lord will send His Spirit to repentant people for the same purpose that He sent it in the beginning. That He filled the temple in the beginning to remind you, one, that God is your deliverer. Okay? And two, that God is with you. It's the same function, same purpose. So repentant people, churches, assemblies of Jews and Gentiles are referred to how in the New Testament letters. First Corinthians 3.16. What's he say? Don't you all know 
Y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? The glory of God dwelling in you. This is who you are. First Peter 2 says, don't y'all know that you are living stones being built up into this spiritual house where the glory of God will dwell? So those who receive the spirit, those who repent, who, who become part of Messiah's people, they receive the spirit in part as a down payment of the day when he's poured out in full. Okay. So even like the most charismatic Pentecostal person on the planet who just loves the spirit of God, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. Okay. Like even Paul, like he's tongues, prophecy taken up into the third heaven, all this stuff. He has no idea what it will be like when the spirit is poured out in full. Our bodies are raised. We're given a fully new heart, fully new spirits, never turn from him again. Guys. It's going to be great. Those who responded to John's message of repentance received the spirit in part. Those who responded to Jesus' message received the spirit in part. Right? He blows on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Those who responded to the apostles' message received the spirit in part. So watch Acts 2. The disciples. Here's the cool nerdy part. The disciples of Jesus. Acts 2.15. Gather at, at what time? The third hour of the day. You know what offering is made at the third hour of the day? The Tamid offering. When the Spirit of God filled the temple with fire and glory. (laughs) They gathered the third hour of of the day at nine in the morning. The Tamid offering, the prayer for God's Spirit to come. And on that morning in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit was poured out again. And what did Peter preach? Acts 2.37, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Messiah, for what? The forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When people repent, when they turn from sin and turn to the Lord, right, and here with the Tamid offering in view, the Lord sends the Spirit. Cloud and fire. All right. The forgiveness of your sins on the day of judgment and the gift of God's presence to sustain you until that day. This is what we receive when we turn from the Lord. And so if you are here today and you are, have not repented of your sins, you, you, you keep in part of it. Okay? Like, I'm just going to follow Jesus a little bit and not turn from my sin completely. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Turn from your sin. Put your trust in Jesus for eternal life. You will receive the Spirit now to help you, to keep you on the path until He comes, when the glory comes in full and covers the whole earth. So if you don't know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to repent and turn from your sins, you can talk to me after. Or if you're sitting next to a member of our church, they can tell you. They can walk you through what it means to follow Jesus. Last thing here for us, um, and I alluded to this last week, but I want to say again. Patience in righteousness brings reward. Okay? Patience in righteousness brings reward. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they lived righteously in the midst of incredible pain and sorrow. And God rewarded them. And it's the same for you. Now, you may not receive the same kind of answer they received or the same timing of answer they did. You might not receive a child now. You might not receive healing now. But I can guarantee you, you will receive your wages on the day of the Lord if you do not quit. If you do not quit, if you hold fast the confession 
of your faith and choose to live righteously when it hurts, when it's hard, you will receive your reward. Romans 6. Robert, if you'll come help us, please. Romans, of Romans 2, verse 6. He will render to each one on that day according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. So just members of, of, of uh, my church, Christian Life Church members, don't quit. Okay? Be patient. Isaiah 25, the Lord comes, we get the feast, the whole bit. What do they say? We have waited for him. Okay? Stay on the path. Let's pray. God, we with Israel long for the day when the glory returns in fullness. And it covers the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. God, we thank you for the down payment, deposit of the Spirit now that you've given us. The Spirit of God in us that searches the deep things of God, that keeps us on the path, that trains us for godliness, trains us for righteousness. So I ask, God, that uh, we would walk in repentance, we would walk in humility, and you would continually fill us with the Spirit. God, I ask you for, um, especially this time of year, that that pain is real and, and life is hard. God, I ask that you would reward patience. God, you would reward perseverance. You would you would reward long suffering. So set our hope fully on that day when you come. God, let the the passages and songs and and, and, and and scriptures about your first coming God stir in us longing for your second in the name of Jesus everyone said